0: So Rachel? Yeah? The Enterprise crew encounters an alien who visited Earth in ancient times and became known as the Mayan god Khan. What do you think you're going to get?
1: If the title has any relevance, maybe it's a snake-like humanoid? Bit of a pompous jerk whose feelings have been hurt, I expect. They'll encounter him during a nosying visit to a Class M planet and there'll be some good speeches from Kirk. What do you think?
0: I think you just want to hear the Class M planet song again. Yeah! I think, yeah! <laughs>
2: is Star Trek? Captain's Log, Stardate 6063.4. The Enterprise is tracing the origin of a mysterious alien space probe. It approached the Federation homeworlds, made a scan of Earth's system, and then signaled outward into space. Before it could be intercepted, the probe self-destructed we are following a trail of disrupted matter left by the probe's highly advanced propulsion system. Thus far, the trail has not intercepted any inhabited star systems.
0: Welcome!
1: Welcome back and happy 2020.
0: Only 141 years before the formation of the United Federation of Planets. (laughs) But of course, first contact will happen much sooner, 43 years from now. Yay! Yay! (laughs) So this is our final episode covering the animated series we'll have a bonus episode for patrons over on patreon where they'll have a series wrap-up episode but the next regular episode will be all about star trek the motion picture oh m g (laughs) you're so excited i'm so excited just to warn you rachel it's kind of boring oh what but it's really interesting it's boring in that kind of mood setting way oh god you're gonna see shatner with his toupee <laughs> and he's not quite fat shatner yet it's it's pretty good
1: okay so it's boring but in an interesting way yeah but before that we've got ourselves another double bail <sighs> Yes, sir, we got a double bill, two for the price of one. The death's going to be desirable, but it won't take us long. Yeah, let's get the series done. The patrons called for a double bill, walking through the two. When an episode feels like a sleeping pill, with not enough food, well, we'll know what to do.
0: <laughs> yes, we're doing How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth and The Counterclock Incident. But of course, let's start with How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth.
1: This is the one submitted for the Emmy they won for Outstanding Children's Program.
0: What? (laughs)
1: Yeah. Written by Russell Bates and David Wise. Bates had been trying to sell Gene and DC on a script for ages and roped in Wise, who had animation experience as a preteen. it says on Memory Alpha. Wow. Huh?
0: How did that work?
1: You know a friend who animated some stuff when they were 11 or 12? So you roped them in... As an adult to do a script with.
0: Uh, it, didn't yeah, that is strange. Could I don't be. know. Don't know. Tell us more. I'm interested. The episode gets started pretty fast with the Enterprise encountering a spaceship following the origins of a probe that had come to Earth and had self-destructed. So the ship is twice as big as the Enterprise and has a lot of power. It then encloses the Enterprise in an energy field, which is somehow a crystalline ceramic? Oh,
1: is it? Well,
0: that's what it said. Huh. How can it be energy and still be a crystalline ceramic? I don't...
1: Sounds a bit shatterable.
0: Yeah. The alien ship then has this overlay, like a hologram, to make it look like a giant winged serpent.
1: Any idea why? No. I like it.
0: It looks cool.
1: It's kind of Wizard of Oz with the hologram and the guy behind the curtain. I know what the non-story reason is. Yes. Gene gave them a couple of notes on their script on a cassette tape, and one of them was that it was too egotistical for God to make a ship looking like himself. So they had to compromise of having <laughs> two versions of the ship. One of them's kind of a hologram of himself on top of it.
0: That's strange that that was the answer they came to. Yeah, okay. It well, works, I guess. The helmsman, who is not Sulu, but instant walking bear, recognizes the god Kukulkan. And of course, Shatner keeps mispronouncing it the, the whole episode, <laughs> saying Kukulkan. And it seems that the writer wasn't there during Shatner's recording, because again, he records in his toilet or something no, like and they that. They didn't
1: bother asking him to redo it. Yeah. I didn't notice.
0: I didn't notice either. Okay. It seems that Kukulkan is upset over being forgotten by the humans. Hmm, sounds familiar. <laughs>
1: what, from whom? from Adonais? Yes.
0: Yeah. He's going to give them a chance to make it up to him, but if they disappoint him again, he's going to kill everyone.
1: Sounds a bit harsh. No, well, that's what you get. Walking Bear says he's a Comanche and an expert on all things indigenous American people's history. Khan was a winged serpent who came from the sky, and they figure the legend came from this alien actually visiting him. While they're trying to figure out what to do, Scotty, McCoy, Walking Bear and Kirk are transported off the bridge against their will, Spock's left in command. There's a new BFF in town, Spock, and it's the new guy. How do you feel now?
0: (laughs) (laughs) The guys are transported to the alien ship, which looks vast inside. Walking Bear says that the legends say that Kukulkan was supposed to return one day and that he thinks that's what that probe was because it was sent by the god to kind of check in on them. Mm. Kukulkan tells them, Now I have shown you the seeds I have sown before. Learn from them. Find the purpose if you can. Only then will I appear before you. Now, I could have easily just had a clip from the show there, but I thought it would be better if I I read it out like that.
1: Do you all agree?
0: (laughs) (laughs) If they fail, everyone dies.
1: So they've got a kind of Mayan Aztec temple set up here and they're Mm -hmm. supposed to solve the mystery. It's kind of like a high stakes episode of the Crystal Maze.
0: Yeah. So the guys find themselves in a big city that has a mine temple in the center of it. Part of the legend of Kukulkan is that he would return when they built their city, but they did and he
1: didn't. Aww.
0: So somehow the humans got it wrong and were unable to summon him with their crappy dime store city.
1: Rude. Is it because they built that city on sausage rolls? <laughs> supposed to use a stone. Could be. I still haven't heard that song.
0: I haven't <laughs> heard it it's either. It's quite
1: the phenomenon. Kirk guesses they need to move statue heads and direct the light into the top of the temple to activate something. Kukulkan shows up and says, good job, I'm your master now. Kirk doesn't understand what the hell he's on about, so Kukulkan teleports them to a lab where he has all these aliens like Tribbles and Baby Horta in tiny glass cages.
0: They point out, the cruelty of having these animals in these tiny little cages. But Khan says that they are actually in their natural habitat, but in their minds. Mm-hmm. And he uses this technology to make them think they're in their natural environment. Kind of like a VR, I yeah. guess. He promises that he will give them great knowledge if they serve him.
1: Oh, they're not going to bothered about that. They don't oh, care.
0: No. Kirk says that if you do this to us, how do you expect us to grow?
1: Yeah, they need their freedom, their development.
0: Exactly. Kukla Khan says, quit your assassin. I'm your daddy. <laughs> Kirk says, look, we're not kids anymore. Yeah. Back on the Enterprise, Spock figures out how to break out of the force field. This distracts Kukulkan long enough for Kirk to set a dangerous animal free.
1: A Capellan power cat from the same planet as Friday's child.
0: And it begins to wreak havoc. The animal threatens Kukulkan and we see that he is not omnipotent. Hmm. Kirk and McCoy stun it and Kukulkan can see that they don't need him anymore. He lets them go and returns to his area of space.
1: Hmm. We end with this.
2: It's sad. Think what we could have done with his knowledge, but the price was just too high. I think I know how he felt, Jim. There's a line from Shakespeare. Yes, Bones, I remember it. How sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child. Indeed, Captain. Lay in a course for Starbase 21. All ahead, warp two.
1: It's a bit rude of Kirk to tick McCoy's thunder there, isn't it? He was about to say his quote, <laughs> then he never gets to do that.
0: I'm just impressed with how well-versed in Shakespeare they all are. Like, maybe if he started it and then Kirk finished oh, yes. it. But no, Kirk just, f- from zero, jumps in on yeah. that.
1: David Wise explained, We thought it's Star Trek, yet yeah, suitably pretentious to end on a quote from Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> At least he knows he's doing it. Uh, true. So, concept. Oh, was it sci fi enough for Chris? Did the writer take the piss?
0: Challenge our worldview or give us deja vu? Was it like being subdued? I'll give it a two. How about you?
1: Although co writer Russell Bates pitched several stories about parasites, DC wanted one based on the fact that he is Kiowa Native American. That's from the original series DVD audio commentary. Bates remembered she had always wanted to see a story about the little men from the stars that Native Americans note in their legends. Walking Bear was lifted from a TOS Bates script submission, The Patient Parasite. So here we've got them making another attempt at diversity with uh, their first Native American
0: character. And I thought they did a good job too with it because Walking Bear didn't have like... Me, Me, Native American, bear, yeah, you yeah, he just sound like a, yeah. a normal guy, which they all do because they're all speaking the universal language. Where'd he come from though? Where's he been? Where's Sulu?
1: And what was going on with his cheeks? Is he just a bit sunken in the cheeks? What about the name? Is that a bit much?
0: Yeah, that did seem a bit much, yeah. but well,
1: the intentions were good, weren't they?
0: They're, they're trying, I think, yeah. <laughs>
1: wise brought in Eric von Däniken's book Chariot of the Gods which posited what if earth legends were tales of aliens to try and get bits off this idea of parasites that he couldn't seem to let go of and onto what DC and Gene actually wanted him to write
0: right right that book really set up a big tizzy especially in science fiction oh. i think it's pretty well debunked obviously mm-hmm. uh, but it was quite popular in the 70s and into the 80s as well
1: was it offering a sort of historical yeah. theory?
0: yeah well, it was trying to oh. I- I I haven't read it. I've read a lot about it though. It, it just posits that aliens visited humanity a long time ago and that there are all these indicators in ancient history that say that this might have happened. Mm-hmm. And it points out cave paintings and writings that there are people from the sky, even biblical references, you know, people going up to the sky and coming uh, down from the sky and okay. things like that. Uh, so. Okay. This episode was Bates's homage to his late friend, Gene Kuhn, who died in July of 1973. Aww. Being modeled on Who Mourns for Adonais, which was produced and written by Kuhn. It's not really so much homage as is the exact same plot. <laughs> As they wrote the story, evolved from being based on a North American lore to more familiar legends of Mayans.
1: Are they more familiar?
0: I don't think people could name any Native American god or spirit.
1: I couldn't name Kukulkan either, could you?
0: Oh yeah, Quetzalcoatl and all those, you know, mm. no? slightly more popular, how about that?
1: <laughs> I went to Tulum, ancient Mayan city in Mexico.
0: But those are Mayans. Yeah.
1: Are these Mayans? Yes, Yes. Okay. (laughs) All I remember about it is that there were graves with cone headed skulls as children between one month and six months. They think heads used to be bound, shaped into different shapes, whatever was a desirable or a status shape for them to have as adults. Weird. Mm, Well, no, weirder than a lot of other things we do as parents, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yes, it is. It is a lot weirder. We don't strap things to our children's heads so that they have a differently shaped cranium.
1: can zoo of creatures in cages, but in their own habitats in their heads It's an interesting concept. But We've had it before. Yes. It's like the menagerie. Yep, It shows his hubris and their clashing ethics, but surely their bodies would atrophy. They're not actually moving any of their muscles. Yeah. Star Trek, the official guide to the animated series, suggests that it's a theme of loneliness here of superior beings, like Apollo forgotten by Earthlings, alone like Charlie X and Trelane. Mm. Here, maybe it's an empty nester who's no longer needed or respected by their children. Mm. Wise was adamant that Kukulkan wasn't a bad guy, but a stand-in for a domineering parent. Hmm and he wrote the crew empathizing with him at the end. The character returns in Wise's script for Filmation's Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle.
0: Oh yeah. Some kind
1: of a space god episode. Oh
0: wow, I used to watch that, I loved it. Oh yeah? Yeah.
1: There's nothing new here really, so four out of 10.
0: I'm gonna go even lower, I give it a three out of 10. Ooh. It's a rehash of all the ideas that have already been rehashed (laughs) It's called a
1: homage, Chris. (laughs) Oh
0: gosh, no. Entertainment.
1: I want to heist. I want to reach. I want black trousers on a bottom like a peach.
0: I want to laugh. I want to feel. I want some privilege in my coffee, and my meal. Let That's entertainment. entertainment. Oh yeah.
1: I enjoyed the design of the ship with the semi-transparent parts, the kind of hologram bit, and the design of the creature. Yeah. Nice set design, especially the heads and the pyramid, the stained glass. Generally, a lot of talking though, and I was pretty bored. Yeah. I'm not keen on Spock ordering Uhura around when she's worrying about Kirk and company. The writer said they spent two hours trying to think of a good zinger for her to say back to him, but they couldn't think of one. So they just put you pointy-eared fool in as a placeholder. but it was still there when they got to the table read and Nichelle, before she read it out loud, said, am I really supposed to say that line? <laughs> and they said, no, 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 forget you've ever seen it. <laughs> Spock says Vulcan was visited by aliens, but the aliens left much wiser. Silly, but cute, you know.
0: Referring to humans. Ah,
1: right. Not impressed by the ending. Kukulkan realizes they aren't children anymore because he was scared of the electric cat, and they were able to stun it. Didn't seem a very satisfying conclusion. Not at all. Five out of ten. Five? five, Really? Is that too much?
0: Well, you said we were bored. Yeah,
1: I was bored, but the designs were interesting.
0: No, I was not entertained. For kid value.
1: (coughs) It's painful to have a thankless child. Has anyone else felt this way occasionally over the Christmas period? (laughs) Here's a bizarre quote from Wise, again from the official guide to the animated series. It was a deliberate idea for me. When I was 18 and getting out from under the thumb of my parents, I was going it in a way that I knew my father wasn't going to approve of. He wanted me to be a starving artist, but I wanted to be a well-fed artist. The idea really reflected what I was going through at the time. (laughs)
0: What? what? I don't His understand His
1: parents have wanted them to be a starving artist I presume he means a quality artist Whereas <laughs> he just wants to do whatever it takes to get money I don't know
0: Oh, okay, maybe that's what he means Yeah, that is bizarre
1: The creature failed to adapt to being less needed or not needed As the children, the humans, grew up And it needed to learn this If children are made totally dependent on their teachers They will never be anything but children, said Kirk So I think there's some interesting stuff in there To learn about parents Oh uh how they change as we grow older
0: i didn't get that oh (laughs) while watching it and i as an adult who's really paying attention to it did not get that it's not going to come across for a kid Mm. i give it a two
1: all right i'm giving it a three out of five could it have been live no way for the creature it was flying it was very snake like up in the air there the ship could have been a model i guess
0: yeah but for them building a model it's a big hullabaloo your guesses
1: I knew the title would be more on the nose than the original series ones, but I should have known it wouldn't be humanoid. Was he pompous? I guess, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he'd had his feelings hurt by not being invited back, so I guess I got those bits right. They didn't meet him visiting a planet. We kind of got speeches from Kirk, I guess.
0: Not bad. Well, let's move on to the counter-clock incident. The Enterprise tries to save an unidentified ship plunging into a supernova, but it's dragged into a universe where time runs backwards.
1: Could it be the opposite of the deadly years and they'll all get younger? Could be fun. And a last hurrah for animation's possibilities, I guess, with Mm -hmm. showing their younger selves. Mm -hmm. Spock might devolve again into more savagery. Yeah, could be. They could be losing their technology as it progresses. Could be. Let's see. Let's
0: find out.
2: Captain's log, stardate 6770.3. The Enterprise is on course for the planet Babel, where ambassadors from all Federation planets are waiting to honour the Enterprise's distinguished passenger. Commodore Robert April, first captain of the USS Enterprise, and for the past 20 years, Federation ambassador at large. Now 75 years old, Commodore April has reached mandatory retirement age.
1: Written by John Culver, Pseudonym for Fred Bronson, their publicist. Oh. (laughs) NBC didn't know it was him because he wasn't supposed to write for the network being an employee or something.
0: Wow. That's interesting. (laughs) They bring up Babel. That's a reference to a previous episode. It's got a lot of
1: references in this.
0: Yeah. It begins with Commodore Robert April on the bridge.
1: Ooh, Commodores.
0: Well, he was the first captain of the Enterprise. Oh. And I have to bring up the fact that I think I said Pike was on the Mm. original series, but actually. April was. I knew this. This was information in my head that I just forgot about, I guess. He's on the bridge, he's retiring, being transported to Babel to be honored. Robert April was actually the name Rodberry used on a few episodes of Have Gun, Will Travel. And it was the name of the captain of the Enterprise. In the initial pitches of the show
1: mm-hmm so that was a little sucking up to the boss apparently to mm-hmm. put that in there yeah, I guess so. Yeah. the episode starts well with April and Kirk sharing the feeling that the Enterprise is their home more than anywhere on land April views the ship as a child having seen it under construction so that would make April Kirk's father-in-law oh yeah there you go yeah <laughs> then we get this
2: <laughs> Jim I didn't realize how many of the tools I use in sickbay were designed by Sarah
1: as the first medical officer aboard a ship equipped with Warp Drive, I'm afraid I had to come up with new ideas all the time.
2: Your modesty is unnecessary, Mrs. April. Your achievements as a pioneer doctor in space are well known.
1: Apparently, that accolade should go to the Bonaventure. What? The first Warp Drive ship oh, or something. Just I for see. you nerds out there who okay. be like, oh. Wow. yeah." i didn't know that
0: <laughs> you're pulling out some nerd cred on me i didn't even just read them. it wow. i just
1: read it that's all
0: that's all any of us ever do is we read things <laughs> or watch them yeah and then we know them yeah, and we share them that's how it works
1: proper nerds retain it don't they and then know when to pull it out of the files well
0: you just pulled it out so there yeah. you go
1: <laughs> yeah that's right why would you need different tools just because it's equipped with warp drive all these tools are just diagnosing somebody and then uh, doing a injection, aren't they?
0: Boy, yeah, uh, I don't know.
1: They're gonna come into contact with more alien germs. I guess so. Yeah. I'm anyway, not sure. It's pretty badass that she was such a pioneering specialist. Yes. And yeah. that she's being credited here in that.
0: Gotta say, I'm interested so far in this episode. Yeah, we've got a woman
1: here who's an expert. Will she get to show any of that (laughs) knowledge or expertise in the episode? Well,
0: Let's see. We'll see.
1: Sarah's got an alien flower with her, which is at the end of its life. Can anyone guess what will happen to the flower?
0: The dying flower? Mm -hmm. Mm, Don't know. As they look at the distant Beta Niobe supernova, the ship's sensors pick up a vessel heading towards them at an impossible speed, about warp 36. They're just throwing out random Uh. numbers at this point. They avoid the ship and it's heading for the Nova. Kirk asks Uhura to hail the captain to warn them.
1: Oh, hell yes. Oh, hell no.
0: Hail them, Lieutenant.
1: I've done so. Oh, hell yes. Oh, hell no.
0: Attend to all languages.
1: I've done so. Oh, hell yes. Oh, hell no.
0: Universal Translator. I've
1: done so. This is a new low, this to and fro. Don't you know this radio is my show? So quit with your bag braggadocio. Head off to a planet where the women are so and let me flow with my audio. Have I hailed them? Hell yes. Hell yes.
0: Ah. <laughs> Wow, I wasn't sure you were going to get that in again. but
1: (laughs) It's the one that's not Christmassy, so.
0: Oh, right, yeah, exactly. They get no response, so they slow the ship by getting it in a tractor beam.
1: Does that make sense at warp 36?
0: No, none of these speeds make any sense. If you're moving Mm. faster than light and you really think about it.
1: They're going at, say, warp, what does it go up to 11? No way are they going to get something in a beam that's going at warp 36. They wouldn't even see it, would they? No,
0: they wouldn't. It would be gone. Or how, how are the sensors picking up these things yeah. as far as way? Yeah, just ridiculous. If you, if you think about the actual distances involved, it really doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But we got to suspend a little disbelief here. <laughs> a little. A lot. Well, Boy. get ready to suspend more. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah my disbelief got broken <laughs> during this episode. A blonde woman appears on the screen. She's speaking an unknown language.
1: Turns out to be backwards English.
0: <laughs> oh, sounds
1: quite Dutch. They reverse it and hear her demanding they release her or she's doomed.
0: The Enterprise engines are buckling at warp 11, and they're 3.5 minutes from the Nova. They can't release the tractor beam due to the speed, and they're getting faster. Warp 20. What?
1: The Silver Foxes say they've always been prepared to die, as Starfleet personnel. Hardcore. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, they are. They're very heroic. The ship is tossed about in the supernova, and everything is in negative. Black stars, white sky, and they're flying backwards. It's all backwards. Get it? Oh, man. <laughs>
0: even though time is moving backwards, none of this makes any
1: Oh, no. Sense. It's about to make even more not sense
0: It makes so much not sense yeah. that you could fill a truck with nonsense. Oh,
1: it's like that one where they get at super speed. It's about as thought through as that one, isn't it? Less, oh, actually.
0: Way less. <laughs> way less. Poor Scotty struggles to relearn how to use everything in the control room, which is now working in reverse.
1: Oh, he can do it.
0: Why, is it, <laughs> Why in is it working in reverse? It doesn't make any sense. No. If everything's going in reverse, nobody should be talking. Nobody would be remembering anything. That's all forward motion. They'd be
1: unlearning everything. All, yeah. all the whole time. Oh yeah. Well, here's something that makes sense. Sarah's flowers getting younger, and the ship's chronometers are running backwards. So okay. no time. is going in reverse. But that's not all. The alien ship captain then chews them out, and they can understand her because their brains are running in reverse
0: talking backwards would just be like when I play something backwards time's not actually going backwards it's actually time moving forwards in a but you don't
1: understand Chris their brains are working in reverse (laughs) so that's why they're talking in reverse
0: (laughs) oh oh oh, now it makes perfect sense the captain is called Carla 5 and she has been observing a dead star becoming a supernova and coming to life as she was accidentally pulled into the star and traveling into our universe Hmm they head to her planet, Eret.
2: Gentlemen, I'm sure none of us mind growing younger instead of older for a change. It pleases me, Jim. If we stay here long enough, I'll no longer be at the mandatory retirement age. Nevertheless, we must return home and I am open to suggestions. It is logical that we must reproduce the conditions that brought us here. Two Novas must occupy the same space in both universes in order to create a gateway for us to travel through. One star dying in our universe and one star being born here would recreate the correct conditions. That would take a remarkable coincidence, Mr. Spock.
1: They beam to Carla Five's son's lab and what's this? The child in the playpen is her dad and her son, Carl 4, is an elderly man. Carl (laughs) 4.
0: This doesn't make any sense. (laughs) It makes
1: none. Well, come back to it in concept spock thinks it does
2: most logical if the flow of time is reversed then one is born at an old age and dies in infancy your descendants are born before you and your
0: ancestors
2: are born after you
1: most logical how is
0: that logical
1: the most unspock thing i've ever heard so
0: people aren't actually born they're just a bunch of decomposed material (laughs) that forms into an old man
1: hold it okay
0: all right carl four brings up a star map of their galaxy in one of the milky way there are stars in the same places but not novas april suggests bringing a supernova to life prematurely so that they can have two such supernovas in the same place the enterprise isn't fast enough to cross the dimensional barrier but it would be if they were pulled by a carla five ship hey! because her ship can go super fast and theirs can't
1: yeah but how strong is it
0: Oh, this is where you have a problem with the logic of it? (laughs) This is where things break for you? I know, it's
1: broken many times already. I
0: don't care at this point. Uh, How do they
1: all survive going through supernovas as well?
0: (sighs) So she sacrifices her ship to help them. That's
1: nice. Apparently it's equipped with enough positive matter armament to ignite the dead star into life. Is that making sense to you? No. Okay. Spock calculates they have only 19 minutes until the youngest crew member reverts to the time of birth. Spock says long before that everyone will be children and before they reach the Dead Star they may no longer be able to control the Enterprise.
2: Mm. How is our course, Mr Sulu? I don't know. What am I doing here? What is all this equipment? He's too young, Captain. Mr Eriks, take over for him. Lieutenant Uhura, report to Navigation Console.
1: I'm sorry, sir. I don't understand all this equipment. What do I do with these controls? Hmm. They're unlearning.
0: Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> they start to change into younger versions of themselves.
1: The designs are nice. Though it's a sudden jump from the present self to a young self of 10 years, 20 years younger. Yeah. And then they keep kind of popping back to the adult version for close-ups. <laughs> really slop, slop. <laughs>
0: uh, Spock will, of course, be in control for the longest as he ages the most slowly. Baby Kirk is confused. Spock assumes command. April and Sarah are now young adults with brown hair.
1: April looks like Kirk.
0: Yeah, he sure does. <laughs> April politely pulls rank and takes over. Sarah looks after the kids, mm-hmm. of course. Ahura is a toddler sitting on her council. Cute. April, she's very cute. <laughs> April detonates Carla Five's ship, triggering a supernova, which the Enterprise passes through, and they make it back to our home universe.
1: The crew are all kids, but of course the transporter will fix that.
0: couldn't believe that. Couldn't believe they're pulling out one. I just thought when they went back, everything would flip back to what it was supposed to be. But they're like, no, no, we're going to use the transporters.
1: They didn't have long enough to do that earlier when they needed people to be their normal ages, I guess. Time crunch. Yeah. Sarah suggests to her husband that they don't use the transporter and live their lives again from young. He wouldn't have to retire, but he quickly decides a life should only be relived if it has been unfulfilled.
0: I think that reasoning is ridiculous, because it's not like oh. he's going to relive his life. He's going to have an extended life. He'll do more things.
1: Oh, yeah, true. It's not like he's gone back in time. No, he hasn't gone back he's in time. He's still with his wife. Yeah. It's not, yeah.
0: Mm. And there's all these other things going on. There's a whole universe to explore still, and he could, he could be a part of that. I don't know why he's like, well, nope, I'm going to die because I lived a good life. I can't top it. It's like, how do you know, quitter?
1: Oh. Well, there's something for being satisfied with what you've had. Lay down and die.
0: Sounds like he's just <laughs> really sick of his life, oh, and he's like, no. you know, I really just I can't he's wait to grateful. kick kicking off. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. everyone gets restored to their proper ages, and they get a message that due to April's heroism, uh, he may be allowed to remain in Starfleet as a Federation ambassador at large.
1: Hooray! I guess. <laughs> I guess. We end the episode and the series with this.
0: Arriving at Babel in one hour,
2: fifteen minutes, Captain. I see your flower has blossomed again.
1: Yes, our trip into the negative universe gave it a second life. It gave all of us a second life. Just like the animated series gave these characters a second life.
0: Aww, <laughs> it's beautiful. All right, concepts.
1: Oh. It was inspired by the Philip K. Dick novel, Counterclock World. Don't know that novel, do you?
0: No, I don't know anything about it.
1: Tell us if you've read it. It made almost no sense conceptually. Yes. In the Star Trek Files magazine, John Peel critiqued, Just when you thought Margaret Arman was the worst writer for this (laughs) series, along comes this story and proves that it is indeed possible to get worse. It is so filled with illogical inconsistencies that it's amazing it ever got filmed. So we had a mandatory retirement age of 75, which is probably quite low given the advancements. Yeah, made, gee whiz. He wanted to continue serving because he loved his job so much. Yep. We had a pioneering female medical officer, an inventor. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, she wasn't ever given the opportunity to be part of the story or no. to use any of this expertise, which is what we always see. We're yes. told someone's intelligent and brilliant. They never get to
0: show Show that him. they are, yeah.
1: Living in reverse, getting younger, your dad's a baby and your son is old. How are you born? <laughs> just think about it for half a second yeah. before writing a whole script about yeah.
0: it. So when you when you die, you're actually just inserted into your mother's vagina. You got to oh, yeah, yeah. cram them in there. yeah, gosh, you got to
1: cram them in there, yeah. And then you got to have it shrink back to an egg. It
0: doesn't make any sense. It's totally ridiculous.
1: And then are you born with all your knowledge and then you unlearn it?
0: That Throughout
1: the rest of your life, but you won't be able sense. to do anything, would you? In this episode, no. the things they know about what situation they were in and had decided to do, they wouldn't be able to implement because they would no. be unlearning it all.
0: Yeah, or that the information that they've gathered was in the past. They which just keep is... going.
1: Where am I? What's yeah. happening?
0: That would be the doing the whole time. Yeah. But they couldn't even be saying that because they're going backwards. you would be saying <laughs> to obviously. us,
1: but not to them because their brains are going backwards.
0: That gum you like is <laughs> coming back into style.
1: <laughs> oh, we tried that once, didn't we? We did
0: try that. We couldn't <laughs> it do it. It was
1: impossible. I
0: thought I did it once. Yeah, where you you read something phonetically backwards and then you flip it and then... I couldn't
1: even say the word dad and that's a palindrome
0: dad well because it's a different uh, d- it's a different yeah. sound
1: how do they pee wrote gene on the script where it said that their <laughs> brains were the reverse. so he knew <laughs> he like knew too gene more now uniforms shrink
0: <laughs> oh yeah they did they got yeah. they got baby uniforms yeah. didn't again make any sense
1: and in the time they become babies a dead star can become a supernova because they exploded it or something
0: yeah they, they take a high long, long
1: concepts time. chris but they hadn't thought it through you're gonna be shocked that this is so high but uh-huh. i'm giving it a five out of ten what because <laughs> they tried didn't they they went for it it's not uh, just a rehash
0: you're right they did try to go for it and they just failed <laughs> miserably so i'm gonna give it a three out of ten. Oh, yeah. that's not fair how was that not fair
1: they've got hugely high concepts here if they'd made sense of them you would have loved it
0: i would have <laughs> But I would argue that the concept is flawed in and Mm. of itself. They're in a universe where things go backwards. Yes. That's stupid. That's a stupid idea. There's a
1: reason why that hasn't been done before. Yes.
0: Entertainment. Let's entertain Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Cute kid versions of the crew. Mm -hmm. Sloppy animation going back and forth. Yeah, The voices got younger, except for (laughs) Spock's. We know what he sounds like as a kid. I sound like. (laughs) <laughs> fun to see a loved up old couple yeah this is the only kiss in the animated series
0: oh sweet <laughs>
1: and as people who both have loved up parents we mm-hmm. can appreciate how wonderful that is yeah i liked their characters they were pretty thin but it's a short show. It is. It was very bizarre, but there was lots going on, so I wasn't bored. I'm giving it a 7 out of 10.
0: I'm going to agree with you. I was not bored because I was constantly going, what? what?
1: What? How does that work?
0: But a 7 seems generous. I'll give it a 6 out of 10. Okay. Kid value.
1: Well, kids are useless on a starship.
0: They sure are. That's <laughs> <as> the
1: <laughs> overall message.
0: Yeah.
1: Old people are valuable and shouldn't be put out to pasture. Don't underestimate them. Because mm-hmm. if we start aging in reverse... They'll be capable longer than you, kids. (laughs) (laughs) The alien captain made a sacrifice. She helped them.
0: She doesn't know the results of her landing the ship. They just go away. So they might have died or they might have gotten back to the universe. She'll never know. She was
1: prepared to do it anyway. And that
0: was cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm giving it three out of five.
0: Sure. Three out of five.
1: (laughs) Could it have been live? No. So well done. You went out on something uniquely animation.
0: That's right, yeah, true. I
1: have to say it was more fun than Turnabout Intruder.
0: Yeah, this is yeah. a little bit better and a little hopeful, maybe in a way, that there might be more Star Trek to come. Yeah. And there is.
1: It would have been nicer if they'd done a spin-off series like Muppet Babies, Star <laughs> Trek babies. Wouldn't that be great?
0: Uh yeah. It's not too late. Yeah, right, right. Your guesses?
1: Not bad. It was kind of the opposite of the deadly years and yeah. they all got younger. Yeah, you're right. I thought it might be fun and a last hurrah for animation. Kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Spock didn't devolve. They didn't lose technology but they did lose their ability to use it. Mm-hmm. Or it went in reverse. So oh, kind of lost so, technology. So lame anyway we did it oh my god join us on patreon for the series wrap-up that's available to all patrons mm-hmm. at all levels with special guest aaron harvey co-writer of star trek the official guide to the animated series
0: for our next bonus content episode I'm, we're gonna have rachel watch the futurama episode with the original cast which is very funny mm-hmm. and she will actually get all the jokes there.
1: <laughs> so well, that's next week coming at you the following week we will start the movies
0: And with that, I'm Chris Icke.
1: And I'm Rachel Lucky.
0: And you've been listening to...
1: Rachel Watches Star Trek.
2: Trey!